Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville Telephone Company, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922, offering bundled packages, high-speed internet, and wireless phones. Smithville Telephone, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're going to talk about the Indiana General Assembly with Senate Democratic Leader Vi Simpson. Hello. Uh, hi, Vi. Thanks for being here with us today. We did invite uh, several Republicans, I must note, and uh, we couldn't get anybody to, to join you. Vi's been here many times before. And I'm I, not going to take I, it personally. No, please, please <laughs> don't. But uh, our producer, Ariana, tried with uh, tried several people and, and we just couldn't get a Republican. So that's why we have only a Democrat on the show today. If you would like to join us, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. Or you can also join us at our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. We should probably mention that the House is in session today and yes. the Senate is not in session today. So that's possibly another reason that we didn't have more folks who could be available today. Yeah, so. The Senate right. stayed in session late last night. And uh, so the House House went home at a re- reasonable hour last night and then – had to work today, so. <laughs> okay. Well, and we're we're happy to have you here. Vi Thank can, you. Vi can speak about everything. Well, <laughs> and if I don't know it, I'll make it up. Right. <laughs> but we are going to uh, talk primarily, or at least start talking primarily about um, how this session has been different from other sessions because of of financial issues. And we have we had no money, and now there's a stimulus package, and there's lots of money, perhaps. So can you just sort of give us an overview of how things have been different than normal? Well, it's like a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, unprecedented in terms of the economic downturn. Um, I've been there quite a long time and I've never seen anything like it in terms of, of an economy just turning around in uh, suddenly. Um, we were doing pretty well. Uh, as you know, the, you heard a lot of that during the campaign season uh, about how Indiana was doing so well. And all of a sudden, uh, it was like a, a snap of the fingers. It, w- it just absolutely stopped dead cold in its tracks. Mm-hmm. And in the last two months, uh, the revenue coming into the, into the state has, um, has been reduced by about – $175 million uh, from what we projected it uh, to be in, in just December. So it was a new revenue forecast adjusted for the recession, adjusted for a downturn in employment. Uh, but we are so far worse off than we thought we were going to be even in December. Um, however, as you mentioned, the federal government passed uh, a, a uh, hundreds of billions of dollars stimulus package, uh, about $5 billion or so of that will be coming to Indiana. Um, it's a it's one-time money, however, mm-hmm. so you can't use it to supplement ongoing expenditures uh, mm-hmm. in the budget. Uh, but you can use it, and, and what I would like to use it for um, is to help stimulate the economy right here in Indiana. So, uh, put, investing in job creation and uh, investing in small businesses and in helping uh, helping industry uh, uh, renovate and uh, become more energy f- efficient, more modern uh, in their production uh, processes. So there are a lot of things we can do with that money that is a one-time expenditure. Now, who gets to make those choices and those decisions as far as how the money is used? Well, we're still sorting through that. Uh, some of it will be decided uh, at the state level, mm-hmm. and uh, some of the expen- some of the monies will be coming directly from the federal government to, for instance, school corporations. So earmarked for specific programs. Yes, um, and uh, and. And then there, of course, will be the struggle between the governor's office and the legislature, which is not a partisan issue, interestingly enough. It is a branch of government issue about who should get to appropriate the dollars. Uh, But in the end, uh, 
everybody wants the same thing out of these $5 billion worth of investment, which is uh, let's get Indiana in, his, in the very best place we can for when we come out of this recession, put people to work and modernize our infrastructure and, uh, and to help our businesses grow out of this recession. Now, I don't want to work this to death, but it seems a little strange that we just get this money from the federal government with no, hey, we're giving this to the state legislature or, hey, we're giving this to the governor to decide. I mean, that seems a little strange. Well, it, is, it was a little strange, to tell you the truth. And when you read the bill, it is, it, it's even stranger. Uh, but it's, there are about 200 separate pots of money and many different committees – uh, of Congress created these different pots of money and there are different strings attached to each one. Some of them have deadlines when the money has to be distributed and used. Uh, others uh, have uh, specific um, purposes that the money must be used for. Uh, other pots of money um, are m- more, uh, you know, just uh, plug this into your budget, state mm-hmm. of Indiana, and uh, and do the best you can with it. Um, and so it's it, what we're trying to do now and what I've been working on for about the last two weeks is trying to figure out each pot of money and what are the strings attached, how can we use that money within the, the parameters that we've all set for mm-hmm. ourselves. Some of those things will have to be appropriated by the legislature. Some things I think should be worked into the budget just because it will help us um, coordinate the state and federal dollars together, mm-hmm. and uh, and other things we've already started uh, just uh, getting ready to. Even though we haven't received one dime yet, we're already in a position of, of getting ready uh, in terms of the highway projects, mm-hmm. uh, the highway money, school con- construction monies. Um, there, there was even some special money set aside for uh, states that had flood damage, mm. and uh, so uh, some of that money will be coming to Indiana, and we're trying to figure out exactly what it can be used for. Is there any provision for um, individual communities that are particularly hard hit? For example, I, you know, we're, the show is heard in Kokomo and of course, you know, they come to my mind immediately when I think about this economic downturn. Mm-hmm. Uh, any provisions that you're aware of that kind of put a little extra money where it's needed most? Well, there's some immediate uh, help uh, and that is in the unemployment insurance area for those communities. You know, Elkhart County, for instance, has, is well mm-hmm. over a 15 percent unemployment rate. It's just unbelievable. The, that that whole community up there is just devastated. Um, but uh, there are some provisions to increase the weekly amount of the unemployment insurance benefit for people who are laid off. There's also an extension of benefits that the federal government is picking up uh, that extends benefits uh, through December mm-hmm. of this year, which is a huge help um, because that those kinds of monies, even though it's a a benefit to people who are unemployed that those monies are in, are spent in the community right. to buy you know textbooks for school to buy clothes for the kids to buy food for the table pay the rent um, those kinds of things and so that's money that gets put into the economy immediately mm-hmm. so that's the first the first thing we're going to see that the 25 the extra $25 per week starts immediately so we're going to see that Right away, there are also there's also a um, about two to three hundred million dollars worth of tax credits uh, for Indiana that will show up in uh, your tax bills, which is extra spending money for people. And you know those are the those are the immediate get money into the uh-huh. uh, local economy, uh, and then there are the longer term construction projects uh, that we'll see. Um, but those are kind of spread around the state. And Mm -hmm. um, some of them perhaps might end up in Kokomo, but uh, but they're going to be all over the state. And, um, and, you know, there will be businesses in Kokomo that will be able to to bid on some of those Mm -hmm. projects. And And people who will be employed as a result of those projects. And people will be employed. Hopefully infrastructure improved. Yes. Okay. Yes. Wow. All right. Our phone number is 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. And you can join us at the website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. There's so much to talk about with this money. I want to go back 
uh, a little bit to the, the revenue forecast and the mm-hmm. fact that it was, you said, $175 million. Just in two months. In two months. Down. Off. Mm-hmm. Explain to us what that means exactly. I mean, the, you, you base the budgeting on the revenue forecast. That's right. And so when the shortfall, when there's a shortfall of $175 million over two months, what's the effect on Mary Catherine, me, the rest of the taxpayers? Yeah, well, um, what happens is we we go through this process and, and at least once a year we do a revenue forecast update uh, where all the big brains around the state get together and figure out, you know, figuring what the unemployment rate is going to be, what the consumer spending factor is going to be, all those things. And then, uh, and then they kind of figure what our revenue stream is going to be into the state. Uh, because our revenue is based on consumer spending via the sales tax, uh, on in- income tax, both business and uh, and individual, and uh, so they make proje- projections on or predictions about what that's going to be, and it's upon those numbers that we base our our spending. Um, the last revenue forecast we had was in December, and it was down several millions of dollars from the previous forecast and we knew then that we would have to cut about $200 million out of the current budget in expenditures, which we've been doing. So this is like three adjustments down already. Oh, yes. And so the, the, the December figures were dismal, but we thought we're going to – we can sustain ourselves, we can have a balanced budget and we can get through this. Um, but the last two months – and we were doing fine for a while because um, – because this forecast uh, d- didn't really kick in right away, but but um, but in January and February, the revenue streams were down 175 million dollars in in just this incredible turnaround, and most of it was in individual income tax, which is a direct indicator mm-hmm. of. How, who's employed and who isn't, and a whole bunch of people out there who I believe are underemployed. Mm-hmm. In other words, they're taking jobs. They may get laid off from their manufacturing job, and they're taking a job in the service industry, which pays much, much less. And so they may be pay, they may be employed and not showing up in the unemployment figures, but they're but the amount of of income that they're earning is way below what they what they need. Mm-hmm. So um, so we have a lot of that going on. When we get the um, the February figures uh, around the first of March, about the third of March or so, then we'll see how that trend is going, and then March I think will really give us uh, a feel for it. So by April, hopefully, we will know a little bit more about whether this is a downward spiral mm-hmm. that we're in, or whether this was just a little. Uh, downtick mm-hmm. for a few months. I suspect it's going to be pretty sad. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have a phone call. Let's go to Valerie on the phone. Valerie? Um, yes. This question is for um, Vice Simpson, and I'm a little bit concerned or a little bit confused regarding something you said a few minutes ago regarding unemployment benefits. I'm a intermittent state employee and get laid off every winter and get unemployment. And uh, last week, in fact, I called your office regarding something I heard on the news that they were considering cutting unemployment benefits, especially for people who are returning to the same employer, which I do, to help rescue this trust fund. And then I think I heard you say a few minutes ago that benefits were going to increase by $25 a week. Is that for everyone on unemployment? Or I'm just wondering, you yes. know, is that a conflict there going on? Or No, but I can understand why you might be confused. Uh, we have two individual problems going on at the same time. Um, and one is that the unemployment insurance trust fund is broke, um, is in Indiana. And uh, so we have a group of people, bipartisan group of people who are trying to fix that issue. Uh, that's the unemployment insurance issue that you're talking about. And one of the things that has been laid out on the table, I'm not saying that it's Passed or that anybody has approved it in any way, shape, or form. But one of the suggestions that it was put out on the table, because what we we have to balance the difference between um, the premiums that businesses pay 
into the unemployment insurance uh, fund and the benefits that are paid out because right now it's all out of balance and it's totally bankrupt. Uh, so one of the suggestions that was on the table was to uh, eliminate or to downsize unemployment insurance benefits for intermittent employees uh, and I think that's what you were describing. Um, I'm, but I, I urge you not to panic about that yet because, uh, because nothing has been decided. These are all – a lot of suggestions that are out on the table uh, and uh, that's one issue. The other issue I was talking about, which is the additional $25 per month or per week uh, and the extended benefits are for people who are receiving an ins- uh, unemployment insurance now, their benefit will go up by $25 a week and that was part of the stimulus package that was passed by Congress. Um, and so the federal government is paying that additional benefit and they're paying for the extension of ben- benefits through the end of this year. So in other words, I'm going to get an extra $25 a week starting immediately? I, I believe it starts very, very soon. Okay. The governor announced that those benefits are going to be starting in the, in the next week or so. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Thanks a lot for the call, Valerie. 855-0811-877-285-9348 and WFIU.org slash Noon Edition if you want to go to the website and you can join us with comments or questions there. Um, you, I, I'm sort of trying to work through the fact that you were talking about the down tick versus a, a downward spiral. If I was a betting man, I think we're in kind of a downward spiral. Absolutely. And I know, and I, I you actually used that. That language was used in, in a press release that that you sent out that was about the the Democrats' economic recovery package. So in this five billion dollars, the Democrats, the Senate Democrats have. A proposal that mm-hmm. has, would spend two billion dollars in direct investment in the state. Can you explain what that proposal is all about? And I'm sure that sure. I, I would assume that the the house well the house has already passed a stimulus bill, correct? Some, yes, some, some uh, the House passed a stimulus bill not based on the stimulus package at all, mm-hmm. but using some of the major okay. moves money. Um, and what they are doing was releasing that money to the local units of government. Uh, immediately, so that uh, they would have they would be able to invest in roads and streets and bridges right away, putting people to work right away. Okay. Um, but we have had the benefit in the Senate uh, of not having to deal with with the budget issue yet, mm-hmm. uh, and so we're we have more numbers than the House had to work with at the time. And so what we tried to do was um, not talk about the major moves in the highway funding uh, issue as much, but to talk about a total comprehensive job creation program that includes uh, some of the legislation that's floating around the legislature offered by authored by both Democrats and Republicans that we thought would be helpful in um, stimulating the economy and by using stimulus dollars as well as some state dollars, combining them in, and using about $2 billion of it for capital projects, for investment in mass transit, for investment in uh, water and, and uh, water treatment plants, uh, it, uh, infrastructure needs of the state and our local communities and uh, and in that way getting the money out immediately and putting people to work immediately. Mm-hmm. We also came up with some other job creation ideas uh, like a youth conservation corps um, because there is money in the, in the federal stimulus package t- for youth employment and I'd love to take that and come up with a, a job program for for young people. I think young people – are going to have a really difficult time finding jobs this summer, mm-hmm. and um, we can do, get do a lot of good things and put them to work in our uh, in our forests and in our state parks and uh, local parks around the state. Um, and uh, so that was one of the proposals. But we've got we have a very comprehensive proposal, I think, and some of those things the governor has already started acting on. So uh-huh. I'm very pleased. Mm-hmm. Well, you know you. You've been in the Senate, as you said. You've been in the Senate a long a time, yes. Um, and you know, every year there's something new that comes up, a new problem to work on. But this year, it just seems like you've got so many sort of new challenges and new directions to be uh, channeling your your energies and information. It must be uh, really, I mean, a very difficult time, but also a very interesting time. 
It is interesting. Um, you know, I've always I always love going to work in the morning, and it's. Um, I, I wish that the economy was better. We all wish for that, uh, but it, it does. It, it creates incredible stresses and 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 pressures, not only on the legislature, of course, but uh, but on our families right. around the state and the country. Um, but but it has been very interesting because it's forced all of us um, at the legislature, at uh, in, at the local government level, to all. Uh, at the school level, to all uh, rethink how we provide services. What services are are absolutely necessary in a in a tight economic situation, and what services uh, perhaps aren't working so well, um, and what things could be cut. And so, even though we may argue amongst ourselves whether tourism, for instance, which the governor doesn't appreciate very much, but which I believe is a, uh, a an economic engine for the state, um, so we may argue amongst ourselves about how much money we should invest in tourism. Um, but it is, it, I think, it's really important, and and we've all been forced into the situation where we have to review the entire scope of services that we provide. And I, I think that's a healthy thing for government to do every now and then. Mm-hmm. Here's an email that came in. It says, uh, initially the governor was calling for a 50 percent budget cut for the Indiana Arts Commission instead of the 8 percent for most other state programs. There were negotiations that reportedly moved the cut closer to the average. Art funding is important to Bloomington. Could you bring us up to date on where this funding now stands? Yes. Um, Another area that the governor and I disagreed yeah. on, you know, if, if, the, if the governor should come down to Bloomington once in a while and he would <laughs> he would see how important a, a dollar invested in the arts can be for a, a community's a, a economics um, because I think we live that here. Um, but uh, yes, his budget recommendation was to cut tourism, was to cut uh, the arts by 50 percent each and to cut – public television and public radio uh, by 100 um, percent. And uh, those things, there, there haven't been negotiations. Uh, some of the funding has been restored for all three of those items uh, in the House version of the budget, which is being voted on today and why some of our House colleagues weren't here. Um, so they're going to be dealing with the, with that budget. But, but both the arts and the tourism line items have been restored up to the 8 percent cut that the governor had uh, done across the board for other departments. And, um, and, and I think all the funding was restored for PBS and for PBR. Now, with that said, um, it, this budget, even if it comes out of the House in, in the shape it's in right now, uh, it still has to go through the process in the Senate mm-hmm. and um, we'll have to start that all over again. So uh, what's important to, for people now who are interested in any of those three or any of the items that are in the budget is to make sure that the Senate hears mm-hmm. how important these items are for uh, for some areas of the state. And, um, you know, I'll be doing my pitch in in terms of uh, both tourism and the arts uh, because I know how important the grants are that come from the State Arts Commission to our local arts community. Uh, It sustains them and it allows them to to create uh, works of art and put them into the economy. Uh, It's what makes Bloomington so special. So so I happen to think it's a very important part of economic development. Well, it is interesting that those two items, tourism and arts, are things that really affect us very strongly here in Bloomington. Absolutely. Um, You know, we're one of the more – we're one of the most popular places in the state to visit. We have a lot to offer. And so to cut those funds is – Particularly, I think detrimental to to Bloomington. So Bloomington, ouch. Brown County, Columbus, yeah. um, a, a lot of small communities where there are quilters and mm-hmm. and uh, playwrights and composers, uh, bluegrass musicians, all kinds of all kinds of people through this area of mm-hmm. Southern Indiana are really sustained by tourism and the arts. And economic developers look at tourism dollars as kind of free money. So yes. it's, a, it's a strange thing right. to choose to uh, not support. Well, yeah. there's my soapbox. <laughs> well, I like to have one, at least one per show. Yeah, the, the challenges are, are the, <laughs> the challenges are um, f- 
framed in the same way basically every year though. I mean it's it's always – and I've heard the governor say this too particularly – I think he said this in his state of the state address perhaps. But it, it's a matter of priorities and it's a matter of what – you know what which places are you going to spend the money? Every year you have to wrestle with these issues. But mm-hmm. it's just that in this kind of an economy when everybody in their own – kitchen at night is trying to decide whether they can afford to buy – go out to dinner or mm-hmm. they can afford to pay the the heat bill. It, it really seems to be uh, much more clear to everybody this year. Well, th- there are so many unknowns because we don't know how far down the revenue is going to continue to fall uh, f- uh, for the state in order to fund the state budget. We don't know exactly how the stimulus package is going to interact with the state budget. And um, and we have the added problems, remember, from the property tax reform from uh, a year ago where we have taken on the additional burdens of the general fund for school corporations and, uh, and taken over the family and children uh, ta- property tax levy, both of which, you know, I support. I, the state should do that. But we have – those are additional burdens on the state state at a time when um, when I don't know how we could even imagine how much stress mm-hmm. uh, it's under. So it, we really have to review the priorities in a much different and, and maybe a much more uh, investigative way than, than we have in the past. All right. We're, we've gone a little bit beyond our uh, normal break time, so we're going to have to take a break. Vice Simpson is here with us uh, from the Indiana State Senate, and we're talking about uh, – all the legislature and, and how the legislature has major challenges this year. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts. Podcasting is a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. You can download podcasts of full-length programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as movie, play, and opera reviews. Find out more by going to our website, WFIU.org. On Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the WFIU News Team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Listen at 8.33 a.m. and 5.45 p.m. every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to catch that day's feature. If you miss one, that's okay. They're archived on our website, WFIU.org, and the best features from each week can be heard Saturday mornings at 7.45. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael and our guest today, State Senator Vi Simpson. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. Or you can send your uh, your questions in on our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. And I do need to remind listeners that uh, State Senator Vice Simpson is here. She's a Democrat. We invited several Republicans, but uh, the House is in session and a lot of the the people we invited were in the House and uh, State Senator Brent Steele couldn't be here with us today either. So we we tried. We tried. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's talk about higher education briefly because okay. uh, that obviously that's a, a key – another key issue for people in uh, Bloomington and Monroe County. But it obviously is also a key issue really for people throughout the state. How is it faring in the budget process? Well, it's, uh, it, it's doing a little better now. Uh, the House version of the budget uh, includes a 1 percent increase overall for higher education. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, a bigger bump for um, Ivy Tech for their to cover some of their enrollment growth, uh, I think an extra seven seven and a half million dollars, something like that, for their enrollment growth. Um, the House budget also has in it, um, and, and let me just say that the governor's recommendation recommendation was about a three or four percent uh, cut overall for higher education. Uh, IU Bloomington, for example, was about a six percent cut. Uh, so uh, it's much improved. Was um, it something we said? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, but you know, I, th- I I have to defend the governor a little bit on this because because he had even less information than the House has 
The House created a one-year budget instead of a two-year budget because they simply don't have all the information that we in the Senate will have when the budget comes over to us. So forecasts? Because of the forecasts, because we'll know what the revenue stream is for the next couple of months. And and we will figure out what's actually in this uh, stimulus package. So, yeah, every point along the line, we've had more information. So the governor the governor started with less information than anybody else, okay? So um, he uh, tried to straight-line K-12 education in his budget recommendation. The House has put in uh, a 1 percent increase for K-12 and a 1 percent increase for um, higher ed, which in, which is really where I want to get to in terms of our discussions because to me, we should be talking about K-16 education mm-hmm. at all times. There shouldn't be a, a delineation at all. And uh, and so uh, if we're going to put a 1% or a 2% investment into education, it should be K-16 education and, and that's what I'm trying to get everybody to change their mentality about. Um, in addition to that, the House version of the budget put in a lot of capital projects because they want to, again, put people to work right away. And so there was more capital. The governor's recommendation had no capital in it at all. And so there's capital expenditures, which is you know new research buildings, new classroom buildings. Um, it includes Ivy Tech Bloomington building, for instance, uh, their expansion, mm-hmm. um, those kinds of things. Uh, also, there's money in uh, in the House version of the budget uh, at I think thirty five million dollars for the Innovation Alliance, which is the partnership, the Life Sciences partnership uh, with uh, IU and and Purdue, um, and all the med- the medical the regional medical centers around the state. So um, that was really good news because that means that it, they recognize that it's a priority it has to be in the budget. Um, the stimulus package also has some education money, like almost a billion dollars worth of education money. Uh, it's not clear yet what strings are attached to all of that, but we no- do know that some of that can be used for higher ed and some of it for uh, K-12. So if we think in terms of K-16 and not building it into the base but uh, but using it for other things like – that may be a perfect place where we can fully fund the Innovation Alliance or it may be a perfect place where we can do some more capital and pay for it in cash so mm-hmm. we're not even putting it on the credit card, which would be nice. So, uh, you know, we're, we'll figure out as the as time goes by here in the next few days exactly what those strings are. But higher ed is going to look better than how it started at the beginning of the session. I do believe that. Before we go to our, our phone call and we have somebody waiting, if we could just review this process because we have people listening from about two-thirds of the state and I know they, they have our various levels of knowledge about how the legislature works. But we talk about the governor's budget and then we talk about the state house – the house's budget and just how does this – Process through. Yeah, it's a, it's a long process, and and it does get confusing. Um, the state budget committee starts started last fall having hearings uh, on on from hearing from all the departments and the universities and everybody about what their needs were, and then the governor comes to the state budget committee and presents a, uh, his recommendations for uh, how he believes the budget should look. And then the State Budget Committee uh, passes that uh, recommendation on to the House of Representatives. Every year, the House Bill 1001, at least always in the past, House Bill 1001 has been the budget uh, introduced by the chair, chairperson of uh, Ways and Means Committee. Um, and, uh, and the House goes through the whole process from beginning to end. Budget committee hearings or uh, Ways and Means Committee hearings, uh, they write the budget. It goes to second reading so everybody has a chance to amend it. It comes out as a piece of legislation which then goes to the Senate and that's what we're doing right now. The House is voting on the budget. Um, it will come to the Senate and guess what? We start it all over again in the Senate Appropriations Committee. Um, and so again, we'll have hearings. We rewrite the budget, uh, make changes, or sometimes they throw out the House budget and start all over. Go through that entire process, and then everybody goes to conference committee, and uh, and we take the 
two versions of the bill, the House version and the Senate version, and kind of consolidate them and reach compromise through pretty heavy-duty negotiation. So the budget usually ends up being a combination of whatever the House passes and whatever the Senate passes. That's why it's so important that things I care about are in the in the House budget. Mm-hmm. It's as important to me as as it being in the Senate budget. It has to be somewhere in order for it to end up in the end product. Okay. Now we have a phone call. Let's go to Kathy. Kathy. Hello. Thank you for taking my call, uh, Senator Simpson. I met you at Humane Lobby Day um, when uh, just a, a few days ago, where we were trying to encourage um, all of the members of the House and the Senate to vote for House Bill 1468, the revision of the Animal Cruelty Code uh, with the Puppy Mill Amendment. And as you know, it overwhelmingly passed the House yesterday. There was a big hooray that went up in our state among animal welfare advocates that are just thrilled with that action. So I know it's coming your way next. I just want to, I know you're such a big animal supporter, and I just wanted to uh, encourage you to encourage your colleagues to please vote yes on on the uh, 1468 and keep that rolling. Well, I, I definitely will be an advocate. Representative Lawson, who is the author of the puppy mill bill in the, in the House, came over yesterday and told me she wanted me to sponsor the bill in the Senate. So so we'll be uh, we'll be working the bill on your behalf. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, Kathy. Thanks a lot for the call. Eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight, and you can come to our website wfiu.org slash noon edition. What additional responsibilities do you have now in your new leadership position? <laughs> More than I imagined. I can tell you that. Um, uh, I have. It, it's my job to be the spokesperson for the Senate Democrat Caucus. Um, I also um, kind of oversee the personnel, and um, you know all the all of the housekeeping kinds of things are my responsibility. Um, I help uh, I help with our leadership leadership team. Uh, to kind of formulate uh, the public policy issues that we want to focus on, uh, we worked very hard on the uh, this job creation bill because we we as a caucus believe that uh, that that's what we ought to be about this session mm-hmm. is uh, focusing on on economic recovery and um, and those those kinds of things there there there's a lot of there are a lot of bookkeeping housekeeping signing a lot of documents mm-hmm. kinds of things um, but also you know listening um, listening to the concerns of caucus members making sure that uh, that uh, there's they're not only working together but speaking to each other yeah. all the time mm-hmm. and um, you know we are in the minority in the Senate and uh, and and so as a result we we have power in in staying together and um, and being well informed so I've tried to institute uh, training sessions on on particular issues I think it's been said uh, jokingly I hope that you know only a half dozen people in the in the state of Indiana know how to interpret the school funding formula for mm-hmm. instance. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that everybody in my caucus understands the school funding mm-hmm. formula because uh, because I think it's important. Right. You know, I I could get hit by a bus tomorrow, uh, and and uh, that would be a bad thing because I'm the only person in the <laughs> in the uh, in our caucus that knows anything about the school funding formula. So I, I'm trying to to uh, broaden everybody's areas of expertise. I've tried uh, another thing that I've I'm trying to do is bring some of the young new people up and make sure that they have areas of responsibility that they don't feel like one of us has to die in order to get some responsibility and and um, and using uh, a lot of the session to train them in mm-hmm. in topics that I think uh, they'd be interested in so it's um, I've been incredibly busy uh, much busier than I thought I would be and I'm working night and day at at both jobs right now so um, it's uh, but it's I'm I'm really having a good time and and I'll tell you it's been a lot of fun. Um, to my knowledge, I'm the first woman to be elected a leader of any caucus in Indiana. So I get to go to these leadership meetings with the boys, and and it's been kind of fun to put a little estrogen into the meetings. 
I think you're very well suited for this position. It sounds overwhelming. You're, you have a, a reputation of always having a Cracker Jack staff. Who helps you do this? Oh, I, we do have a wonderful staff. And because we're in the minority, we have a much smaller staff than the majority party. So our staff, not only do the members work twice as hard, but the staff has to work twice as hard too. So we have, uh, we have some really good young people who are committed to, to – um, Making sure that we are uh, that we help the House as much as we can, and that we have a voice in the Senate as uh, as loud a voice as we can have. Great. Now, um, another topic that comes to my mind is this national money, or I'm sorry, money from the national government comes into Indiana. What kind of um, interactions do you have with the folks who serve us in Washington? I'm thinking of Baron Hill, Evan Bayh, um, those folks. Well, we, um, I, I, I talked to Senator Bayh's office um, uh, on, on, you know, or ba- on uh, not a daily basis but a re- regular basis mm-hmm. as often as possible uh, while this stimulus package was moving through the uh, – through the Senate, uh, did the same thing with uh, John Zodi and Baron Hill's office. We had regular communication, you know, on certain areas. I was particularly interested in the higher ed piece mm-hmm. uh, for uh, school construction and uh, modernization and those kinds of things. I wanted to make sure that there was going to be the ability for the for the legislature to have some input into the expenditures. Um, and so uh, we wanted to be sure that that there was some requirement for budgeting and appropriations so it would uh, go through the House and the Senate as well as the governor's desk. And uh, so they were very helpful and very cooperative and, and very forthcoming. But I can tell you that you, I could tell talking to their staffs how overwhelming that stimulus package was. And I don't think I don't think there are very many people in the country who understand everything that's in it. And what we're trying to do now is educate ourselves so that we can take full advantage. And you know, there I heard there were as many as three states who are refusing to take the money. And um, can we have theirs? Uh, exactly. That's the first thing I asked. Uh, I talked to Mitch Robe, who is the new Commerce Secretary for the state of Indiana, who who is going to be kind of. Uh, heading this up for the governor. And I asked if we couldn't at least get South Carolina's money, but he said, why not Texas? Because they're not taking theirs either. So, you know, let's go for the bigger chunk. Uh, We have about 10 minutes to go on the program. So if you want to join us, the number is 855-0811-877-285-9348 or go to wfiu.org slash noon edition. There are a couple other topics I want uh, to mention and get an update on uh, and maybe we'll have some discussion on it. One is the constitutional amendment on property tax caps. Mm -hmm. Where is that at this point? Uh, That resolution uh, passed the Senate. And um, so at some point next week is our last week for hearing Senate bills in the Senate and House bills in the House. And then we switch, of course, and we'll be hearing House bills. Uh, So at that point, uh, the House will have to determine whether they're going to take that resolution up. Um, I can tell you that I voted against it. uh, but uh, but my arguments lost. Um, but I, I'd like to offer them now, uh, if I could. It, it, uh, this is a, uh, a constitutional amendment, and it takes two actions of two separate legislatures, which means that we can do it this year or we can do it next year. It, it doesn't move up when that constitutional amendment will appear on the ballot for people to vote. On and it will still be on the ballot in 2010, whether we do it this year or whether we do it next year. My own feeling is that putting I have I have two arguments against. First of all, the I, I I'm a lawyer. I hold the Constitution in very high regard. I don't think we should put numbers like one, two, three percent property tax caps, especially with exemptions for South Bend and um, and uh, Lake County. Uh, into the state constitution, um, uh, it's already in statute. It's already in place, um, and really, it's a statement by the legislature that they can't be trusted. They don't trust themselves. You know, they have to put it in the constitution. Um, so that's one argument, and the other is that 
I don't think we have enough numbers to know what kind of impact the the uh, graduated caps are going to have on various uh, centers of economic development. For instance, uh, having businesses at 3% cap and having residential taxpayers at 1% cap, what is the impact on job growth, on, on economic investment, for instance? Um, uh, wh- what is it doing to agricultural property that they're at 2%? I don't, I don't know. And either does anyone else in the legislature or anyplace else as far as I know until we have a few years of experience, it seems to me, to doing something permanent in the, in the constitution uh, is a bit risky mm-hmm. and because once it's in the constitution, it will be near to impossible to get it back out if we made a mistake. And remember, these numbers were just pulled out of the air at some point. And when we passed it, we only had two years worth of of projections about what the impact was going to be. So out 10 years from now, we don't know. We don't know. It could be a big mistake. We just don't know yet. The numbers could be different. Maybe the caps are a mistake. Maybe we want to do away with property taxes altogether. We don't know yet. And uh, I think it's a political maneuver on the part of some that we want to keep this on the uh, on the uh, the the public antenna and and we have to and, uh, and and that somehow the speaker of the house if he chooses not to deal with it this year um, is is disappointing the taxpayers well that's silly because it doesn't change when the taxpayers are going to vote on this issue. Well, this is another one of those uh, cases where it passed the Senate, but the Senate is, has a Republican majority. Yes. Now it's going to the House, which yes. has a Democratic majority. Correct. And so the outcome could be totally different. Could be totally different. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> All right. And the other issue I wanted to mention and wanted to talk about is the uh, – uh, the Kernan Shepard report and all that was in it, and the uh, idea of streamlining Indiana government. Where what kind of bills have been? Um, oh my! <laughs> ton, tons and tons of bills. I'm sure. There are tons and tons of bills. As I suspected, they tried to to gather them together. You know, there are there are close to thirty recommendations in the Kernan Shepard report, and so when you ask people if they'd like to reform government, everybody says yes. But when you say, okay, which of these reforms do you support, then you start – people start dropping off really fast. You know, do you want to consolidate school corporations? Do you want to consolidate library districts? Do you want to uh, do away with township government? Do you want to get rid of the three county commissioners and have one county executive? Uh, do you want to do away with the treasurer and the surveyor and all, uh, other elected officials? And so uh, the problem with these things is that there are so many recommendations and, um, and it was difficult, it's been difficult to get uh, a majority of the legislature to support any one of them um, and they're different people at diff- you know, on different issues. Um, and, but what was done was that they – combined everything having to do with elections, for instance, into one bill and that has passed the Senate uh, and, and that bill moves school board elections, for instance. Um, it also moves the municipal election to, a, to the year when the, um, when the governor – no, sorry – the non-presidential year, but a general election, so that municipal elections, which are usually on these, this odd year all by themselves, would move to to a, uh, a general election, um, and uh, and it had a couple of other provisions about voting centers and things like that. Um, then there were then the other bill that passed the Senate. Uh, was a uh, w- what we refer to as county reorganization, which had to do with um, uh, giving the county commissioners an, a choice between a single county executive, which would be the uh, executive branch, and the county council as we know it today, which would be the legislative branch. Um, or allowing them to choose what is called a board of supervisors, which many states have, which is a combined county commissioner, county council that uh, would be elected by districts or go to a referendum. Those are the three choices in that bill. And if it goes to a referendum, it is, the referendum is only between the board of supervisors concept 
or no change at all. They hmm. dropped the single county executive altogether, which was the Kernan Shepherd report recommendation. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't even look like the Kernan Shepherd report anymore. It's it these bills have been amended a million times, and it's just real hard to sort through. Mm-hmm. My objection to uh, the county reorganization bill is that we exempted Marion County and Lake County from the bill uh, in order to get enough votes to pass it, and um, it seems to me that. Uh, exempting Lake County, um, you know, I think our county works pretty well. Right. I'm not sure Lake County works quite <laughs> as well. So I don't know. It's just um, I don't know how this will all turn out. Uh, the township trustee bill uh, um, got out of committee after it was totally watered down. Uh, it has a little nepotism thing in it and some review by the county council of their budgets. Um, but there's going to be an attempt to amend the the um, uh, repeal of township government back into that provision, to that bill. Um, the school consolidation bill didn't move and the library consolidation bill didn't move. So I don't know where those things are. Mm-hmm. And what I, what the House is going to do with them, I have yeah. no idea. Right. They, they, they could still come out of the House, correct? They could. Ver- versions of those. Sure. OK. We have about uh, two minutes to go. Any, any other things? You know, these, there are lots of big ticket items this year. Is there anything else that you're particularly interested in that you're pushing? Any bills that you've got? Well, I'm disappointed that uh, my health care bill uh, was not given a hearing again after I was promised that it would be given a hearing this year, uh, which would have created a commission uh, a, a nonpartisan commission of people who have expertise in health insurance and health care uh, provision of health care uh, to make a recommendation on um, on universal health uh, care for the state of Indiana. Um, so I've been working on a lot of health care issues, a lot of commerce issues, and uh, banking and uh, and uh, financial in- industry issues. We have a huge mortgage for- foreclosure bill that will be passing the Senate soon that uh, Senator Talion has been working on, and and I think it will really help home- homeowners stay in their homes. Okay, and we are out of time. Uh, Senator Vice Simpson has been here with us. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much. You. I hope you'll come back later if you have time. Update uh, us again. I would like that. Thank okay. you. For Mary Catherine Carmichael, producer Ariana Prothero, and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville Telephone Company, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922. Offering bundled packages, high-speed internet, and wireless phones. Smithville Telephone, local pride, global technology, information at smithville.net.